Hey, we've been talking together, straight talk. And the series is, is uh, concluding today, and it's basically this, that the Bible addresses certain issues that we don't normally just bring up in polite conversation. I wouldn't just walk up to you in the hallway and give you advice on how to raise your kids, you know. Uh, we we wouldn't we wouldn't be hanging out and just all of a sudden tell you how to how to be a better husband to your wife. Uh, there are times when we intentionally have to have those conversations, but it's not just something we normally talk about. So this is straight talk. We've come to the scriptures and we've allowed scriptures to kind of topically guide us through some biblical principles in these issues. This morning, I want us to conclude our straight talk series with some straight talk about church membership, straight talk about church membership. And the reason I want us to have this conversation is because church is not just another organization or civic club. You know, we're all a part of a lot of different groups. Uh, you, you, if you were to write down all the groups and organizations you were a part of, you know, you could come up with quite a little list, I'm sure. But church is not like any of those other organizations. It is unique. It is something that is, is not paralleled, really, because it's not really an organization. It is the body of Christ. It is more like an organism. It's a living entity. And I want us to take a few minutes to see if we can wrap our brains around that concept. So to help us with that, I want to show you in Scripture, I'm going to show you four images of the church. And then we'll talk about some implications of each of those images. All right? Let's start with the first one is the body of Christ. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to begin at verse 12. We as the church are the body of Christ. So often we hear phrases in Scripture uh, that we become familiar with, even to the point that we kind of only think of them poetically. But some of those phrases are really quite literal. When it says that we are the body of Christ, it's, he's, he's not just saying here's a nice spiritual concept, a poetic understanding. We are quite literally the physical dwelling of Jesus Christ in the world today. We are the hands and feet of Jesus today. When he came the first time, he came in uh, in the form of man, he was Jesus of Nazareth. He walked around in a body of a physical human being. Well, then he ascended to the Father, and the Holy Spirit came. And now we're taught that the Holy Spirit fills the lives of believers. And so now Jesus is within us. We are, as the church, we are the physical presence of Jesus in the world today. Let's look at that. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. The reminder is that the body is just one body, but it's made up of very different members. The finger is nothing like the eye, right? And the, the ear is nothing like the elbow. They're very different. Singular purpose. And yet, together, they make one body. You and I are not the same. Matter of fact, some of y'all are really different. We are different members, and yet Christ has brought us together into one body. I think we could even argue that it is our differences that strengthen the body. It is the fact that we are not all one big eyeball that makes the body function so well. That's Paul's point as we continue. Verse 13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, black, white, brown, etc. Old, young, etc. Rich, poor, English speaking, non-English speaking. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. To drink of the spirit is a phrase that means to take in. When you became a believer, if you are a Christian, if you have accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, then when you did that, the Holy Spirit filled you it was as if you drank him in. And when that happened, you became a part of this bigger body that houses the Spirit. Verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. The foot looks at the hand and it says, hand, you get to do everything. You pick up stuff. You, you, you help the body eat. You, you, you drive. You, you do everything. And as a foot, I don't do anything. I just stand and stink. And the foot starts to feel bad. I'm not a hand. And Paul says, believer, just because you're not the hand doesn't mean that you're not an important part of the body. Are feet important? Ask a man who has none. Paul says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong, it doesn't make him any less part of the body. Verse 16 if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Because I can't sing, because I can't preach, because I can't teach, because I'm shy, 
I'm not a part of the body. Paul says that's wrong. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit, you are part of the body, you belong. You have a place. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. That's all to say, you and I live our lives in such a way that the parts of our body that we don't want to think about or talk about are the parts that we show the greatest honor because we cover those parts. And he's using that as, an, as kind of a metaphor to say the parts of the Christian body that you and I might think are the least important deserve great honor. Each of us has a place in the body. Each of us has a role to play. Because at the end of verse 24, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. In other words, back then, he had a body. The body was named Jesus. It walked on this world for 33 years. Now, you are the dwelling place, the body of Jesus Christ. See, that's why the church is not just another group to be a part of. It's not just another organization. You don't, you don't just sign up or show up. If you are a believer, you've been placed into the body of Christ with a specific place and a specific purpose. And did you notice how he stressed there toward the end? He said, because you're one body, you, are, you, you want to practice that unity and you want to take care of each other. I think it was verse um, uh, 25, that let there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That's kind of what's behind our membership class. In our membership class, we want to help you find your spot in the body. By understanding what happens around here and who we are, then we hope that you can look at your gifts, your talents, your abilities, how God made you, so you can figure out your spot in the body and jump in and, and be a part with us.
in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul addressed that unity. He said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment, one body working together for the glory of God and the service of Jesus Christ. The second image that we find in Scripture of the church is the family of God. We are the family of God. You hear us use terms like that a lot. Uh, you know, even when Wendy was talking to the children, she referred to me as Brother John. Well, where does that start? The idea of brother or sister. We use those terms for one another often. Well, that's because we are family. How are we family? Because we all got the same dad. If you have accepted Christ, if you're a believer, that means that you have been adopted into God's family. And if he is your father, then you and I are siblings. We're family. In Romans chapter 8 at verse 14, we read, All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. You received the spirit of adoption. When the Holy Spirit came into your life, he did that to demonstrate to you, to, to, to prove to you that you have been adopted into God's heavenly family. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What is Abba? Well, it's the Aramaic term that is a very personal term. Instead of just Father, Abba is more like Daddy. You can call the one who created everything, the only almighty one, you can refer to him as dad. If you have accepted Christ, you're in an amazing family. And we can refer to him and think of him as our own dad. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of of God. So understand, the church is not just a club that you join. It is the body, very literally the body of Christ, and it is a family. It's the family of God. Galatians chapter 6 at verse 10 says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See how he refers to the church? We're family. We're a household. That's, that's why, as we talk about church membership, that's why it's so important that we understand you're not just joining a club. You're joining a family. That's vitally important because family stays together. Family works together. Family cares for one another. That is the idea behind our life groups, by the way. When you come to Sunday morning, 
we're able to worship together. Corporate worship is a powerful experience, and it's, and it's a part of who we are as God's people. But we don't connect well in corporate worship. Where we connect as family, those relationships get built and strengthened. That happens in life group. That happens when we are gathered together with eight or ten or maybe twelve people in a room and we're talking together, we're sharing life together, we're perhaps eating a meal together, we're taking care of each other. We know when each other is suffering and we suffer along with them. We know when one another is celebrating and we celebrate with them. If you've not yet found a life group, I want to encourage you to do that because I'm convinced that that's where church happens. Corporate worship is one small part of church life. Church happens when we're family, and we see that in a life group. If you'd like to be a part of the next membership class that we talked about a moment ago, or if you'd like to find a life group, if you just go to our website, one of the drop-down menus is uh, Get Involved. If you click on that, you'll see a way that you can register for the membership class. You'll also see a way that you could register for a life group just to, just to kind of send us a flag to say, hey, I'm looking for one. Can you help me find one? It's all right there on the website. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you're a part of a life group where you find family. The third image that we find in scriptures, we are a spiritual building. You know, during COVID, we reminded each other, rightfully so, that the church is not a building. We could continue to be the church even though we couldn't be inside a structure, inside a building. And that is so true because a church is a spiritual building. That's the phrase or the, the, the picture that we find in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Look at this imagery. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, that's Jesus. He was a living stone. He was the cornerstone ready to build a kingdom. You know, a cornerstone, in, in theory, and originally the, the plan was you'd put the cornerstone first, and then you build the building up and around that cornerstone. He was the beginning he was the way that, the, that God's kingdom was going to be built. He was a living stone, and he was rejected by men because they didn't want to be a part of God's kingdom. They wanted their own kingdom instead. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You and I are living stones. The church is a living organism made up of each one of us placed in just the right spots to build this spiritual house. It's, it's, it's even a reference to the temple. You remember the, the, the tabernacle at first in the Old Testament as they wandered through the wilderness. God met them in the tabernacle. He lived there. Then they finally built the temple. The temple was literally his house. That's where he met them, his living room, if you will. Well, now his dwelling place is his people. 
The church is that temple. The church is the spiritual house in which he dwells. He says that you're building, being built up as a spiritual house to a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. That's what you do in a temple. Spiritual sacrifices. We are living stones put together in just the right place in just the right order, and we together are able to make living sacrifices for him. So as a stone, it would be helpful to know where you fit in the building. Every living stone has a spot to be a part of that building. If you haven't found your spot yet, I've got a couple of ideas for you. In the pew rack in front of you, you'll see a volunteer card. If you look over that volunteer card, you might very well find a little spot that fits your calling, your personality, your gifts. If you check that out, return that card to us in the offering plate in the foyer, somebody will be in touch with you, and we'll help you plug in where you could serve in that way. I've even got another idea for you. Very soon, our nominating committee is going to begin building committees for next year. We've got to start that process really early, and we're going to start soon. Maybe there's a committee on which you could serve where that would find your spot. As a living stone, you'd find where you plug in to the spiritual building. Well, what are the committees and what do they do? I got you. In the foyer as you leave, there are two stacks of papers. Those stacks are committee descriptions. I want to encourage you to grab one of those, look over what the committees do, find one that seems like a good fit for you. If you're a member, we can't elect you if you're not a member, but if you're a member, look over those committees, find a spot, let us know that you want to serve in that spot, and let's see if, we can, uh, let's see if that'll work out for everybody, see if we can find you a spot to plug in. We are a spiritual building each Living stone has its place. Finally, we are a nation of priests. The fourth image, we are a nation of priests. Notice that. Usually we think of ministers and lay people. Ministers do what needs to be done to keep things running and minister to the lay people. The problem with that idea is it's not biblical. Biblically, in the church, we all are ministers one to another and to the world around us. Biblically, the, the, the guy who gets paid, biblically, the guy who gets paid is here to equip the saints for doing the ministry. That's what the Bible says. Every member is a minister. We are a nation of priests. 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. 
You have been gifted, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you have been gifted, equipped, prepared to serve. You are a minister if you're a believer. Straight talk about church membership. As we think about who we are, we remember we are the body of Christ, the family of God, a spiritual building, and we are ourselves priests. So this is not a country club or a social gathering. This is a place to plug in and get busy serving the Lord who deserves everything we have to give him. Lord Jesus, help us that we might be that kind of church.